Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. I hate driving at night. Can anybody else relate? I guess it's because of my bad eyesight or maybe because I wear glasses. I'm not sure. But all the lights tend to glare for me and it makes it very difficult to see clearly. But the absolute worst is when the opposite side of a two-way street, a driver is coming towards, uh, towards me, driving in the opposite direction that I'm going, and he has the high beams on. It's, it's like every movie that you've ever seen where the character is entering into heaven and it's just this blinding light that comes towards you. Uh, by the way, if that's you, yo, you don't need the high beams on, okay? We don't live in the country. We've got lights everywhere here in the city. Cut the high beams. For the love of God, you're going to get somebody killed, okay? Anyway, I, I bring this up because the other day, it happened to me. Someone was driving on the opposite direction with their high beams on, and I, I flashed my lights as a sign for them to shut it off, and they actually did. All right, so you can say that I'm out here saving lives, right? No big deal, just another day. But it got me thinking how brightly those lights cut through the darkness. Now, had it been during the day, no one would notice or care because it's, it's nighttime and dark. Those lights pierce through the darkness and can even impair your vision. And here's the thing. The world is dark. And in the scriptures, we're called to live as light. We're called to shine bright as followers of Jesus. And this is what Paul's going to challenge us with today. When we conclude chapter 1 of Philippians, he reminded us to live as citizens of heaven by living lives worthy of the gospel. And today we're going to continue that same school of thought by answering this question. How do we shine bright in a dim world? As followers of Jesus, we're called to stand out, not blend in. Many Christians want to live their lives in a way that is more secretive in nature, in a, in a way where they can blend into the background of whatever environment they find themselves in. But here's the thing. If what we believe is true, if Jesus is who he said he is, if he died and rose from the grave, then the realities of living out his words will without a doubt cause us to stand out because the world is dark and the greater the darkness the more light tends to pierce through. So if you want to blend in, if you don't want to be noticed, if you don't want to be labeled as weird, then just do the opposite of what we're about to talk about. Then you can be just like the rest of the world and nobody will ever even tell the difference. But just realize that that's not what the scriptures call us to. If we follow the words of Christ, if we take seriously and take to heart the teachings of the Bible, then no doubt we will shine bright. It's just a direct outcome of following Jesus. And because we're standing against a dark backdrop, we'll shine. So how do we shine bright in a dark world? Three things I think we're going to see from today's passage. Number one, we transform our thoughts and speech. You can often identify where someone is from by their accent. You can tell if they're from the southern states or from the northeast from London or Australia, simply by their accent or the words that they use or the phrases that they use. As Christians, 
we should have an accent. Now, I'm not talking about the pronunciation of words or grammar. I mean that as followers of Jesus, there should be a difference in how we think and even how we speak. The words that we use, our outlook, our attitude and disposition, there's a difference. The gospel not only impacts our spirituality, in other words, our standing with God and makes us children of God through the perfect work of Christ on the cross, but the gospel implications impact all of us, every part of us, mind, body, and soul. And this includes how we think, talk, and deal with situations. Here's how Paul says it in today's passage. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generations. How often are we tempted to complain, murmur, and argue? It's so easy to fall into that trap. There's a million reasons to do so. But Paul says that as followers of Christ, our speech should not be bent towards grumbling and arguing. How many of you work in secular work environments and this is what takes up most of your day? This is what happens, you know, for the water cooler talk, right? It's people grumbling, and arguing, and gossiping about others. Oh man, the, the supervisor is so annoying or she thinks she's all that. Or did you hear what he said? I would never do something like that. I, I can't believe they're giving me this project to work on with this ridiculous deadline. It's absolutely crazy. And let's be real. How many of you would be willing to admit that this temptation isn't just for them people? That it's a temptation that you've given into many times just the same? Maybe even on your way to church this morning. How many opportunities did you have to grumble and complain? But Paul says to live as citizens of heaven and to live worthy of the gospel that our speech and our thoughts have to reflect the reality of the gospel. By the way, I mentioned thoughts because before a complaint or an argument arises and spews out of your mouth, guess what? It begins with a thought. But our thoughts and speech should reflect the radical difference Christ has made in our lives. You know, Paul teaches this elsewhere by saying this, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And this is exactly what we need. We need a renewing of the mind. We need a brainwash because Every day the world is filling our minds with what is contradictory to God, what displeases God, and with, with, with what breaks His heart. And we need a heart wash because every day the world is communicating to us what emotions we should feel and express. But Paul says we're children of God. You know, we, we tend to pick up our family's accents, our family's speech patterns and phrases. And since we're children of God, our accent should reflect a heavenly one. As citizens of heaven living worthy of the gospel, we pattern our thoughts and speech after Christ. And this means that we have to fight the urge to grumble and complain and gossip. Instead, we do what the Bible says and we think on whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is righteous, which is what we'll get to later on in the book of Philippians. So how do we shine bright in a dim world? Number two, we hold firm to the word of life. So what is the world word of life and, and why do we need to hold firm to it? Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. 
that no one can come to the Father apart from him. So the word of life is Jesus and his word. In other words, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul challenges us that in order to shine bright in the dim world, we have to hold firm. And he says it this way in today's passage. So that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. I don't know if you guys know this. The world is perverse. It is crooked. It is broken. It's kind of like Bizarre World in the Superman comics. Bizarre World is a planet where everything is backwards. The earth is round. Bizarre World is cubed. Uh, what is bad is good and what is good is bad. And that's how our world is in many respects today. Up is down. Down is right. Right is wrong and wrong is right. And this impacts everything around us from the sanctity of life to sexual perversion to systemic forms of injustice. Guys, the world is crooked. It's broken. And you don't need a sociology degree to see this. You don't need to read any textbooks. Just open your eyes and you'll see how far we've gone from God's original design. We're so far removed from the perfection of the Garden of Eden. But the darker our surroundings, the brighter we must shine. It's only in the darkness of night that you can see the stars. The world is dark, grim, and bleak, and so we must shine bright. We're not going to shine bright following the world's lead. It's only when we hold firm to the word of life. That means that Christ and the gospel has to be the foundation for our thinking. Who best knows how the world should function if not the one who created it? So are you holding firm to the word of life? Are you holding firm to the gospel or have you compromised? Are you standing out or blending in? Because we're to shine bright by holding firm to the gospel. And if you do, you automatically stick out. You know, Paul says this elsewhere. He says, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. To the rest of the world, our standing firm in the gospel is a joke. It is foolishness to those who are walking the road to destruction, but for us, it's the power of God. It's salvation. It's life. So we must hold firm to the gospel. And the fact that Paul uses this language of standing firm means that there will be an attempt to knock you off balance. The world will try to rip the rug from right underneath you. And if you're not standing firm, you're going to fall back. It's like in baseball. When you're batting, you have to have a firm grip on the bat. And if you don't, the pitch is coming at you at 90 miles an hour and it can knock the bat right out your hands, or you can swing and have the bat fly right out of your hands because you don't have that firm grip. Are you standing firm on the word of life? Are you standing firm on the gospel? Are you standing firm on Christ? Because if you are, no doubt you will shine bright. So how do we shine bright in a dim world? Number three, we rejoice in suffering. Now, we've mentioned this already several times, a couple different ways. It seems that throughout this letter to the Philippians, Paul keeps bringing this idea up. But is it a wonder? Remember that Paul finds himself in a season of suffering. 
But notice that he's not using ink or space in this letter to grumble, complain, or argue about this season of suffering. I think we'd all agree that if he had, we'd probably be pretty understanding and give him a pass. But instead, here's what he does. And this is only something that someone can do who has had their life transformed by the power of the gospel. This absolutely makes no sense to anyone outside the gospel. Instead of arguing, complaining, or murmuring, he invites us to rejoice in suffering. And he says it this way. But even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. If you really want to shine bright in a dark world, rejoice in suffering. The world does not know what to do with that. Because here's the thing. If you're living in the world for the world or for self or for nothing at all, then no doubt your outlook will be bleak and will be dark. That's why the most honest atheist would admit that if the universe as we know it was a big cosmic accident and that we've simply evolved from scum over millions of years, then all of life is meaningless. There is no hope. There is no purpose. Nothing comes after this life. This is all we have and, this is, and there is no point. We simply exist and we simply die and go to nothing. Lawrence Krauss is a theoretical physicist and cosmologist, and he's an atheist. And this is what he writes. Human beings are also inevitably programmed to ask why, as we've heard it. But the why question is ill-posed because it presumes purpose. And science tells us there's no evidence of purpose. You see, guys, a life apart from Christ means that it is impossible to find any purpose or meaning from our suffering. We simply suffer to no end. And after this life, there is no hope. You simply suffer and then die. Because at the end of the day, there's no difference between you and a rock or asparagus. But because there is a God, because we have a Savior in Jesus Christ, we know that our suffering is not in vain. We also know that the suffering we experience now is only temporary. And we've mentioned, as we've mentioned previously, that one day we will be able to be rid of this world full of pain and suffering and be in the presence of God fully whole and restored. However, Paul's outlook, because he's had a renewing of the mind, is that there is joy in his suffering. He claims that the faith of his friends in Philippi is built on the gospel and to him that makes his current situation even more worth it. And then he invites them to rejoice with him. The invitation implies to rejoice with him, even if it means at the cost of his own life. But within that, there's also another invitation, that is to also rejoice in their own suffering as well. You know, a really good friend of mine, and he actually sits on our board here at the church. He's a godly husband, father, grandfather, and pastor. His dad recently passed away. But he's simply not mourning as someone who has no hope. He's hurting, but he's also rejoicing in his suffering. He's celebrating his dad's life, He's sharing memories and lessons that he's learned. But then get this, his dad, his dad left some explicit funeral instructions because you see, his dad was also a follower of Jesus. And even as death was approaching, he did not suffer as others without hope would suffer. And his instructions included this. He said, eat cake, welcome people, go to dinner as a family on mom's dime, make sure mom is always taken care of, Sterling and Aaron, give Christ the glory. Say goodbye and go. 
See you when you get there. Make sure everyone knows how to get there. Eat cake? Welcome people? Go out for dinner? I'll see you when you get here? How can someone have this type of outlook? It's a person who rejoices in suffering. It's a person who has stood firm on the word of life, someone whose foundation is the gospel so we can eat cake and welcome people even in suffering. And in this way, we will shine bright like stars. This will leave the world baffled because we have hope, we have purpose, our lives have meaning, and we're citizens of heaven. Now listen to me carefully. Maybe you're listening to this today and you say to yourself that you want to have this type of certainty, that you want to have this type of clarity. The good news is that God has provided a way for you to experience it. Apart from Christ, we're dead to our sin and heading for destruction. But because of God's immense love, a way was provided for us. God put on flesh in the person and work of Jesus. Love came down and rescued us. Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life that we were incapable of living. He died the death that we deserve to die. But on the third day, he rose, conquering Satan's sin and death. And now all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you want this certainty, if you want this confidence, if you want this purpose, all you need to do is put your faith in Jesus. And when you do, you won't get what your sins deserve. Instead, what you'll receive is love, mercy, and forgiveness. And this is available to anyone and everyone who would put their faith in Jesus. And so God, we pray that you would renew our minds, transform our thoughts and speech, help us to fight the urge to complain and argue. Lord, would you help us to hold firm to the word of life? We know that the world will attempt to knock us over. And so God, we pray that you would help us to be grounded upon the rock be of immovable, unshakable, and to be resilient. Help us to take heart even within our suffering. Remind us that what we experience now is only temporary. Fill our hearts with hope and confidence and help us rejoice. And we pray that you would empower us by your spirit to shine bright in this dark world. And help us, God, to bring as many people into the light as possible. So God, help us to have that unmovable, unshakable confidence and faith in you. And God, thank you that in Christ, we can have purpose. We have meaning. And we know that on the other side of this suffering, what awaits us is you. And for that, we are grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?